0: Hi, and welcome to Pillsbury's Industry Insights Podcast, where we discuss current legal and practical issues in finance and related sectors. I'm Joel Simon, a finance partner at the international law firm Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman. Our guest today is Sydney Toon, the leader of Pillsbury's Copyrights Practice Group and the media and entertainment industry team. Sydney's practice includes a wide variety of intellectual property issues, including copyrights and trademarks, as well as a broad array of entertainment, licensing, and e-commerce matters. She represents clients across many different industries and chairs PLI's Technology and Entertainment Convergence's annual Technotainment All Day program, which draws multiple hundreds of attendees. Welcome to our podcast, Sydney.
1: Hey, Joel, thank you. It's great to be here with you today.
0: Our discussion today is going to touch on a number of things that are a mystery to a lot of people. We'll focus on non-fungible tokens known as NFTs and in the process can't help but mention blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Sydney, I read recently that the technology for NFTs has existed since 2010. They went mainstream in 2017 and this year NFTs have already generated more than $2 billion in sales. So this is definitely a topic people should get up to speed on. How about if we start with the most basic question, what is an NFT?
1: In essence, an NFT is a digital asset that represents something of unique value. If you can digitize it, you can turn it into an NFT.
0: With NFTs being digital assets, how do people keep track of who owns them?
1: So this is a good question, and it actually explains also the answer, one of the reasons that NFTs have a certain appeal and value. An NFT is it's stored on a digital ledger known as blockchain, um, and this is, uh, gives it the ability to maintain a record of ownership, and it also acts as a certificate of authenticity.
0: So I think I know just enough to introduce what comes next and then turn it over to you. I guess people buy and sell NFTs on NFT marketplaces using cryptocurrency, and then the transactions are on platforms that are on the blockchain. So without going down a rabbit hole, for our listeners who might not have encountered any of this before, maybe you can give us a quick explanation of what all that means.
1: Sure. So you're going to need to know a little bit about blockchains, cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency exchange platforms, and the online marketplaces where people buy and sell NFTs in order to put it in context. To put it in its most simple terms, a blockchain is a system of recording information in a way that makes it difficult to change, to hack, or to cheat the system because it's essentially a system in which there's a digital record of transactions made in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency that are duplicated and distributed across an entire network of computer systems on the blockchain. So it's like it's it's a form of peer-to-peer file sharing network, but focused on um, on cryptocurrency uh, exchanges. So what is a cryptocurrency exchange platform? That's a platform that facilitates the trading of cryptocurrencies for other assets, uh, including digital currencies such as Bitcoin, for example, and fiat money. Again, in effect, the cryptocurrency exchange acts as an intermediary between the buyer and the seller, and they make their money through commissions and transactions. Now, listeners might be wondering what the heck is fiat money, uh, it's a government-issued currency not backed by a commodity such as gold. Fiat currencies have been, in the United States, since 1971, modern paper currencies um, are fiat currencies. So for uh, NFTs, the uh, exchange platforms that are used most actively, Ethereum is the most active, and then there's also Coinbase, Ripple, and others.
0: Thanks for that, Sydney. I just want to clarify one thing. Um, the US dollar, I guess, became a fiat currency in 1971 when it came off the gold standard. Is that correct? That's right. Great. Thank you. Well, thanks for all of that, Sydney, on the background. I think now we get to the good part of, of the discussion, which is the transactions and the markets.
1: Yeah, it's been pretty, a lot going on, a lot of excitement. And as usual, when the money gets big, people start taking notice. As you mentioned earlier, Joel, NFT sales have topped $2 billion. That's billion with a B in the first quarter of 2021 alone, according to nonfungible.com. And although the sales and prices have been dropping from their highs in February, $2 billion in a quarter is a lot of money. Uh, In fact, this is more than 20 times greater than was achieved in the prior quarter. As far as what the motivation is, the CEO of SuperRare has said that buyers are motivated because NFTs provide a unique connection to the creator that doesn't exist in other art forms.
0: What industries in particular have been involved with NFTs so far?
1: Let's start with visual art. Uh, There was a sale recently at Christie's. Beeple is the name of the digital artist. He sold an NFT called Every Days, the First 5,000 Days, for $69 million. It was a first of its kind auction at Christie's. I know, it's pretty amazing. On the other hand, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a collage, and if you look at the images of it, there's... Quite a few images that have been combined together. I think I read it took him three years. That's still a very good payday, though, obviously.
0: It's $23 million a year, so still not bad. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: kidding. Okay. That's this is true. So then there's a former DC comic book artist um, who sold started selling Wonder Woman NFTs. He was uh, an illustrator for the comic books in the 70s and 80s, and he recently sold $1.85 million worth of Wonder Woman NFTs. So music has really taken off. Uh, it's very popular in music, and they're very creative about what they're doing. So uh, MF Doom recently sold one-off editions of augmented reality versions of his signature mask, and they sold between $18,000 and $857,000 each. Sean Mendez has a genies collection of NFT. Genies are actually official avatars for the world's biggest icons, and they use them to bring quote unquote, real world utilities to the NFTs. So what happens is that you can buy genie wearables for you to use to adorn your genie. And so you could get a Sean Mendes genie and then you can get NFTs that allow you to provide him with outfits. And I don't know, maybe they'll have guitars or whatever. Kings of Leon, the band, did a very interesting NFT uh, offering recently in March they offered their newest album as an NFT Uh, and they dropped three different types of tokens as part of that effort. One of them, it's a special album package. So it has certain extra visuals and whatnot. Uh, The second is a golden ticket. They sold two of them where uh, it's live show perks that come with your um, buying the album, including Uh, guaranteed four front row seats to one show of every headline tour for life. One week after these were offered, they had generated $2 million.
0: I know that there's also been activity in the sports world. Maybe you could give us a couple of examples there. Sure.
1: Sports is another area where it has really exploded. LeBron James is in on the action Uh, There are uh, NBA top shots, they're called. And what they are is it's a digital, looks like a sports collectible card. It's digital. And it's actually a little video clip of a particularly memorable shot in an NBA game. LeBron is sold one of his top shots. It was a dunk where he was emulating Kobe Bryant's reverse windmill dunk. For nearly $400,000, tops, which is the main offer of baseball cards, they will start selling official blockchain-based versions of classic TOPS baseball cards, which, of course, has some traditional collectors concerned. And then one of my favorites, there are digital horses are the talk of the crypto world. Horse racing meets NFT mania. And so what happens here is there's a digital horse racing platform. Owners pay a modest fee to enter their NFT horses to compete. And they compete one event every hour, all the time, seven days a week. Um, And it's really interesting to me because these are what they call a breathing NFT. By that, they mean that each NFT has its own unique DNA It can breed, pass a bloodline, it has a life of its own, it races, it has genes it passes on, and it lives in an algorithm, so no two horses are the same. And owners can breed their NFT horses on the hosted stud farm, just like CryptoKitty, where the owners of different CryptoKitties can get together and breed kittens.
0: Wow, that sounds like the NFT version of Sims, uh, which is a game from... uh from years ago (laughs) really interesting
1: yeah then there's some odd nfts i call them this is my my categorization but they you know it's not a particular industry necessarily but they're kind of interesting jack dorsey the founder of twitter sold the first his first tweet ever as an nft for over 2.9 million dollars His first tweet says, and I quote, just setting up my Twitter, end quote. There's a fellow in San Francisco. He's going to offer um, NFTs or leases for rooms in his co-living community starting at $300,000. There was a couple in California I know in March um, that exchanged virtual rings on their smartphones uh, there was a cat meme called Nyan Cat Meme. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Joel. It's, it's uh, very primitive looking, pixelated. It's now become an NFT that the creator sold for $580,000 in February. And then finally, one of the more interesting ones, when the lockdown started last March, there was a Brooklyn filmmaker and four of his friends that were kind of bored. So they decided to send audio recordings of their farts to one another. One year later, the filmmaker among them decided to auction 52 minutes of audio flatulence as an NFT called, quote, one calendar year of recorded farts, end quote, later selling it for a whopping $500. Wow.
0: Wow. I guess that last item shows that no matter how advanced the technology gets, there will always be a bottom end of the market to contrast with the higher end items. Sydney, thank you for a really enlightening discussion on a topic that's sure to continue to make headlines in the world of digital assets and finance. It's been great having you on the podcast today.
1: Thanks, Joel. It's been fun talking to you today, and uh, it's really quite an interesting topic to keep
0: an eye on. And now it's time for This Week in History. On May 26, 1951, an American hero and role model was born. Sally Ride became the first American woman to fly in space. And to this day, she remains the youngest American astronaut to have ever done so. Ride attended Stanford University, graduating with a bachelor's degree in English and physics, as well as a master's degree and a PhD, also in physics. She became an astronaut by responding to an ad in the school newspaper in which NASA was looking for women to join the space program. Ride participated in two space flights, one in 1983 and again in 1984, both on the space shuttle Challenger. After leaving NASA in 1987, Ride became a teacher at the University of California in San Diego and dedicated herself to helping women and girls Who wanted to study science and math? She came up with the idea for NASA's EarthCam project, which lets middle school students take photographs of Earth using a camera on the International Space Station, which they then study as part of their science class. Ride also wrote or co wrote seven books for children about science and space and was inducted into the Astronaut Hall of Fame in 2003. Sally Ride is truly an inspiration for young girls everywhere. That's all for now. Catch our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music, as well as on our website, PillsburyLaw.com. And until next time, thank you for listening to Pillsbury's Industry Insights Podcast.